Today, we'll take a look at the recruiting tactics of Florida under Billy Napier. We'll talk about the all-SEC teams that just came out a couple hours ago for me. And then we'll talk about Monday night's nonsense from the Florida Gators men's basketball team, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com. You can find all my written work. Uh, as you can tell, feeling a little bit better today. Fever's still here, but feel a little bit better today, at least voice-wise. So we're going to get right into it. Billy Napier and his recruiting tactics at the at the University of Florida, similar to his recruiting tactics at the University of Louisiana, or as many people know, it, University of Louisiana Lafayette. But of course, they kind of dropped the Lafayette, and they're, now they're just a Louisiana Raging Cajuns, which is a dope name. But uh, Billy Napier has been very active recruiting. He's been visiting multiple recruits, whether they're committed or not committed, he's been visiting. Some names are Shamar James, who's a name I keep mentioning. And I realized that might be a little annoying that I keep mentioning Shamar James, but he's someone who is obviously very clearly very interested in the Florida Gators because he was at one point committed to the Gators. I spoke to Shamar. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. I think I did already on the show, even though I never really, whatever. But uh, Shamar did not, He, you know, he told me after Todd Grantham got fired, I was like, hey, is there any chance you still commit to Florida? And he was like, yes, it's not it's not done yet. Like, I still could. So Shamar James, still very much a possibility for the Florida Gators. I like the possibility. That's just me saying that I like it. Uh, but he's a linebacker, and that's something that we need. We need a good, talented linebacker that can come in and play early. That would be Shamar James. So he's visited Shamar James. He's visited quite a few guys, quite a few running backs, too, uh, whether they're 2022 or 2023. So that's pretty cool to see also. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays into the backfield because, I mean, I'm assuming we're going to have three guys coming back, maybe four from this year. So watching that happen, it's going to be fun to see. Um, But Billy Napier doing his due diligence to visit and meet with a ton of recruits, and that's that's awesome. Um, He doesn't care about the early signing period. That is something that people are going to have to get used to. That Billy Napier don't give a damn about the early signing period as much as we do as like fans and I'm not, I'm not even talking about the media side I'm talking fans wise we love looking at like oh wow we're killing early signing day we're doing this uh Billy Napier doesn't give a damn so don't expect anything big there uh Billy Napier he takes his time evaluating recruits and potential targets commits whatever they may be he takes his time and that is pretty cool that he does that because he likes and he's very open about it he takes his time to evaluate the recruits and evaluate the potential targets and figure out who he thinks will fit into the, I mean, now Florida culture, Florida future, the game plan, the scheme, all that fun stuff. He figures out who he wants to be wearing that Florida Gators patch. And that's, I mean, I, I, I think it's awesome that he's just like, I don't care about getting the early splash names. I care about getting guys that are going to be here to make plays. And he's like, I don't care about stars. I care about getting guys that are going to fit, which by the way, I'll say as fun as it is to talk about five star, four star, all that stuff. Um, 
I, I am of the um, belief that stars are like an annoying thing. I, I don't think they hold actual value. I get it. They're meaningful when you're talking about recruiting classes and how good they are and how, how good of a recruiter is this guy. But at the same time, I'm also just like, I, I don't care. Because like you can look at it equivalent to the NFL. The NFL, there's a lot smaller, like there's a lot fewer uh, players going from college to the NFL. And even the very top guys, the blue chip talents, often don't work out. And it's the same way when you're looking at millions of high school kids. And then they're like five stars. They're the blue chips. Oftentimes, they don't work out. So I don't think stars matter as much. I think it's great to say like, hey, these guys have a higher floor or a higher ceiling or whatever. But I don't care about stars too much. And I'm glad Billy Napier doesn't either. But I mean, we're still going to talk about it because that's the recruiting way. That's how it goes. So, yeah, that's fun. But Billy Napier, he did the same thing at Louisiana. He showed up in Louisiana. And early signing period, his first year was nothing. That was it was just very hard, and it's also I, I think it's important to point out it's very difficult to come in and be like, hey, in two and a half weeks, the early signing periods here, are obviously from the time that Billy Napier uh, got hired at Florida, not announced but hired, um, it's like, hey, two and a half weeks, we have early signing day. Let's bring in all these names. It's incredibly difficult to do that, no matter how good of a recruiter you are, unless your name is Nick freaking Saban uh, or Kirby Smart. I'll give credit where credits too. Maybe Kirby Smart, but Billy Napier in his first year at Louisiana had the fifth uh, class in the Sun Belt, had the fifth best recruiting class in the Sun Belt Conference, which doesn't sound great, but every year after that, he had the number one class in the Sun Belt Conference. And I'm not saying that Billy Napier can do that at Florida, but I am saying he's putting together one hell of a staff right now. He's putting together one hell of a recruiting staff right now he's putting in the effort he's doing his thing that he always does so billy napier like hey i'm i'm happy with how it's going so far there hasn't been much change in terms of actual commitments but there's been activity there's been public activity at least for us but it's also billy napier is doing what billy napier does he's not changing he's doing what got him here just at a higher level and with a lot more people paid to do it so that is awesome to see he's patient he's precise and he's damn good as a recruiter and as a team builder and like billy napier says this is a talent acquisition business and billy napier well he's acquiring talent that is what he's doing he also brought in jacob lafrance as a recruiting analyst jacob lafrance was a recruiting analyst with louisiana under billy napier so that's great to see as well that Billy Napier is bringing over another guy that he's comfortable with and that he knows can be effective with him. So again, I, I love what he's doing. I love the approach of, you know, we're not rushing for five stars. We're not rushing for anybody. We're not trying to grab a bunch of names. We're not going for quantity. We're going for quality and not quality in the sense of stars. We're going for quality in the senses. These guys are going to show up they're going to play their hearts out. I almost said a very different word there. And they're going to do their thing, and they're going to be successful and fit into the Florida program. And I couldn't be happier with how that's looking so far. So I will say that, and I am stoked to see how it actually plays out in the long term. Of course, we won't see much of his recruits, or we won't see full recruiting classes get playing time for at least another two years or something. But 
I mean, it, it's dope as hell to see his approach for it. I'm very excited, and you should be very excited for Billy Napier and his approach to recruiting. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about PrizePix? PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. PrizePix offers every sport you can think of. I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. PrizePix offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, like Jacob Copeland or, I don't know, Anthony Richardson maybe as well as the mid-major players like Bryant Kobach and Bryce Mitchell, who, by the way, play Middle Tennessee State in about six days in the bowl game, five days now in the bowl game, so that's fun. Prize because allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on Colin Castleton rebounds, which you shouldn't have done on Monday night, with the under on Damian Pierce carries, which you should have done every week, whatever, in the same entry. Don't hesitate. Check out prizefix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizefix is daily fantasy made easy now we're going to take a look at the all sec teams they got announced um i will say the medicine i just took to like numb this so i won't cough and everything during the show it's fantastic um i I will say that but uh the all sec teams got announced yesterday um and i i have some thoughts uh first off there were no gators in there which is dumb as hell um i'll say that there were two gators that i think absolutely should have been in there I'll say that two Gators I think absolutely should have been in there. Rashad Torrance the second and Javon Dexter. And I get it that Javon Dexter is not the big name on the defensive line. That's Zachary Carter. But Javon Dexter was a menace. And he early in the year was playing a barely even rotational role. Like he, I don't want to say barely even rotational. He was rotating in. But towards the middle and end of the year, he became a starter and was still, you know, kicking arse and taking names i don't think that's technically cursing so kick it arse and taking names um so javon dexter is a rashad torrance was a beast all year he was all over the field where he was making plays deep down the field in the passing game whether he was having what was it against vanderbilt 15 tackles i think it was so whether he was demolishing in the run game killing it deep in the passing game locking down his guys in the in the short range and intermediate range he was having a fantastic year and the fact that he did not get an on all SEC nod is honestly embarrassing. If you are on, the, if you're one of the people that decides that, you should be ashamed of yourself. That was a horrible decision. Rashad Torrance, defensive playmaker, Javon Dexter, menace in the menace in the trenches, really. So I, I just think that those two misses are horrible and inexcusable. But I wanted to talk about something else with these all SEC teams also, because the way that the teams are broken down are so lazy and inaccurate. It's awful. Like specifically the defense, the defense is broken down with defensive line spots, linebacker spots and DB spots. And that's just pitiful. It should be interior defensive line, edge, linebacker, corners, and safety. And when I say linebacker, I mean off-ball linebackers. Mohamed Diabati is an off-ball linebacker. Brandon Cox is technically a linebacker, but he's an edge rusher. So things like that, I I think the way that they do it is just, again, lazy and inaccurate. There were so many guys that are edge rushers that are listed on either D-line or linebacker. And it's like, okay, so you just wanted to get those guys on the list? It's, It's not even a matter of 
what their roles are. It's just you wanted to put them on the list, so you change their uh, you 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 change their positional assignment based on what exactly. I, it's just it's one of the things that irritates the hell out of me. The NFL does the same thing. Other conferences do the same thing. It is absolute hot garbage. It's like one of those things where um, who is it? Khalil Mack one year made the all pro team as an, a D end and an, and a linebacker. And it's like, what, huh? Like that doesn't even make sense. Just list him as an edge. That's a very common thing. Very popular. Thing. It's one of the few things that draft Twitter does, right? That is better than most other places. List interior defensive line, edge, linebackers, corner, and safety, especially given how often nickel defenses go and how often there is a four two five with one stand-up edge rusher, one hand in the dirt, and they, like, rotate where, like, sometimes, you know, uh, like, if we were to have Brent Cox and Chris Bogle, maybe sometimes they're both standing up, maybe sometimes they're both hand in the dirt, maybe sometimes one's hand up, one's standing, whatever it may be, one's hand down, one's standing, sorry, whatever it may be, uh, I, I think the way they do it now is lazy and inaccurate, and it really screws a lot of deserving names out of the running, because um, if you put just D-line, it's probably just going to be, like, one dominant nose tackle, and then a bunch of edge rushers that play D end because they've got the stats advantage. And really, it, it, it really is a stats award. That that's all these all SEC teams are. They're almost always stats awards. So I, I get not putting a ton of weight into them. I just think the way they're done is so stupid and I hate it. Um so I'll say that. But yeah, the D line thing especially pisses me off that it's like it shouldn't be D line linebacker, it should be IDL edge linebacker. Uh, and I'm fine calling linebackers linebackers if they're off-ball linebackers. Because if you have edge, that's obviously a specification there. That's different. But other Gators, I, I, I understand why none of them really got in. Like, Kyrie Elam is a name that a lot of people wanted in. And it's like, well, he was hurt for a few games. It's hard to be considered the best in the conference if you're missing a few games. Especially where you're considered good in your conference if you have a bunch of interceptions, which you can't get if you're not playing. Or if you've allowed less receiving yards and catches on targets or whatever when it's like well of course he allowed less he hasn't played as much so if you look at a per game thing then it's different but then at one point is it well at what per game like how many what's the game number that you need what's the minimum you need six is that where we're counting it you think guys that played half the year can get it so i get why kairi didn't get it i get why zachary carter didn't get it i i do i i think that he started off very hot and slowed down which is understandable but that's what happened with him. And then looking at the offensive players, running backs, they rotated too much for anybody to be qualified. I understand that. I think talent-wise, yeah, we, we would have Damian Pearson there. But they rotated too much for him to be in there, and he was completely disrespected by Dan Mullen. I, I will never forgive you for that, Dan. Uh, tight ends weren't used enough. Uh, although, if there were a All-SEC third team, I don't know how you'd be able to put it without Kimura Gamble. I think Kimura Gamble should have been on the All-SEC second team. Uh, I, I do. I think that it should have been Brock Bowers from Georgia and then Kimori Gamble and then Jalen Weidermeyer. But I, I, I get it. Jalen Weidermeyer, Jalen Weidermeyer had more catches, more yards, same touchdowns, but Jalen Weidermeyer also got targeted like 30 more times and only had like 10 more catches. So say <laughs> lobby at that point, but I think Kimori Gamble should have gotten it, but I understand why he didn't. The volume wasn't there. Wide receivers weren't used enough. O-line sucked. Quarterbacks, first of all, there's too many good SEC quarterbacks for any of our quarterbacks to be qualified. And second of all, we had two quarterbacks play a significant amount of the snaps 
and neither of them were world-breaking. I get it. We love Anthony Richardson. He makes some phenomenal plays, but he is also Anthony Richardson giveth, Anthony Richardson taketh away. So I understand why he didn't get it. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I didn't. Yesterday I did, though. Oh, and Monday Night Football, that was the easiest passing yards under, passing yards under, uh, total points under, uh, rushing yards for Damian Harris, over, Easy, easiest stuff. I, I honestly, I'm pissed I didn't take an alt line with the under there. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything there we go we back baby you can imagine it is the best way to place your bets and it's 100 free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports with extras make sure to use promo code locked on that is l-o-c-k-e-d no space o-n for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag have y'all tried bill bar puffs because I'm, I'm going to keep asking you, because if you haven't, one, shame on you. Two, do it. I promise you, they are good, like freaking good. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market if you're trying to eat clean, but if you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem, specifically with the Built Bar Puffs, I just want to say. Just, I feel fine after eating them. They're, they're pretty good. Ruby chocolate. Lemon cheesecake. Lemon cheesecake's weird because it's like it sounds it sounds gross. If we're being honest, it sounds gross. But damn, is it good? Like it, it is very good. Like I like I like the hell out of it. Built Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Built Bar if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Now we're going to look at the very pitiful men's basketball. This one's probably going to be quicker unless I go off on a little tangent. Um, I'll let you know that now, but yeah, that's where we're at. Um, of course, the Florida Gators men's basketball team started the year 6-0, which is phenomenal. And we were like, oh, damn, okay, mid-major Mike, never mind. You're back. Here we go. Florida Gators basketball is back. Dropped the close one to Oklahoma last week. It was uh, 74-67 on Wednesday night, which is understandable since Oklahoma is a good team. It was a solid matchup. I thought Florida was going to win because I thought they had a better matchup there. But, hey, so I be right. And then Monday night happens, and it's like, okay, Monday night, Florida Gators, number 20 in the nation. Mm-hmm. Six and one. Mm-hmm. 23 and a half point favorites. Uh-huh. Take it on 0 and 7 Texas Southern. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's talking sweet now. And then what happened? Florida got blown out by them 69-54 in one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a team that should have dominated the other one. That was really fun. That was just that was disgusting. So and also Texas Southern got to set a sweet little record against Florida. The worst record to ever beat a top 25 team. Previously, the worst record was 0-3. And I think it was a Louisville-Maryland game. Uh, I, I want to say it was a Louisville-Maryland game a long time ago. But, hey, here we are now. Where <sighs> Florida, 
six and one taking on zero and seven Texas Southern demolished which is really fun. It was also the second most points Florida has allowed this season, which honestly might be even a little more worrisome because it's like Oklahoma is understandable at 74 points. It was the first time Florida allowed 70 in a game this season. Uh, Ohio State scored 68, so they were close. And it's like, well, now of your past four or five games, you've had 68 from Ohio State, you've had 74 from Oklahoma, and then 69 from Texas Southern. And it's like, what what happened to this defense that was demolishing people at the start of the year? Because I, I would like to know what happened there. Colin Castleton, as much as I love you, had arguably his worst performance of the season, 12 points on 5 of 12 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3, with 5 rebounds, which is, one, an awful rebounding number, and two, that was the team leader in rebounds in this game. It was very bad because Texas Southern dominated Florida on the boards in a way that I didn't think we'd ever see this year. Or that I, not ever, but I didn't think we'd see this year, especially from Texas Southern. But Texas Southern had 46 rebounds. Florida had 23. That is pitiful. Like, that is, that is bad. 46 to 23 is just embarrassing. And I realized that with the Bills game on Monday night and the press conference that happened after that, embarrassing is kind of a weird thing to say about players now, but whew, I don't think there's another way to describe the 46-23 way to get out rebounded by Texas Southern. I owe in seven. Well, sorry, one in seven, Texas Southern. The offense seemingly had no direction. Just... It, it looked like it was operating with no real direction or purpose. It, it was it was weird. It was bad. Sorry, this is starting to wear off, so it's starting to hurt a bit. But, uh, yeah, the offense looked like it had no direction. Just looked like it was operating with no direction or purpose or or a- a- anything. They they just were, were nothing. It was bad. Florida was crushed in the paint. Texas Southern scored 42 points in the paint. Florida only scored 12 more points than that total. So it, it was it was bad. Florida shot bad while Texas Southern shot great. And it's like, I, I don't know what's more disappointing from this game, the offense, the defense, or the rebounding, because you can't shoot that poorly and expect to win games. You can't rebound that poorly and expect to win games. You can't defend that poorly and expect to win games. And by the way, Texas, I, I believe Florida had 10 turnovers and Texas Southern had like 20. And it's like, how, how do you, how do you win the turnover battle by 10 and then get blown out by 15? Like that, it's, it's just insane. So yeah, I mean, you can't score, you can't shoot that poorly and expect to win. You can't defend that poorly and expect to win. You can't rebound that poorly and expect to win. I understand that there's such thing as an off night. I totally get that. But my Lord, you got to clean it up, Florida. Cause it's it's getting pretty ugly at that point. They've dropped two, of course, after starting six and zero, and we'll see where the rest of the season takes us. By the way, Sunday's game I will be at, so that will be awesome. Uh, Sunday's game against Maryland in the Barclays Center, so can't wait for that. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day every day. Don't miss out tomorrow, where we'll take a look probably at more recruiting and coaching changes because I mean that that's just awesome to look at. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. For Locked On Gators, 
I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work at the whole nine sports, the W H O L E N I N E sports, and I'll see you all tomorrow.